Welcome into Muskie's Talk on this Tuesday, November 7, 2023. I'm your host, John Baldridge, and this podcast is produced, like always, by the Xavier Newswire. A lot to get to on the show this afternoon as we'll dive into the Musketeers win yesterday in college basketball, starting their season 1-0 with a 77-63 win over Robert Morrison, the Centos Center. It was a great game for Desmond Claude. He had 25 of Xavier's 77. We'll look into that. We'll also dive into the Bengals' win on Sunday night as they beat Buffalo Bills, winning that football game their fourth in a row to go to 5-3 and three on the season. We'll look at the Bengals, look at the NFL, take a look at MLS and FC Cincinnati as they were able to move on to the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs with winning the first two games in a best of three over the New York Red Bulls in a shootout and penalties on Saturday night. We'll look at that. We'll also dive into Joey Votto's retirement, maybe, from the Cincinnati Reds as they let him go over the past weekend. But a lot to come on the platform this afternoon. we got about 35 minutes with you all. And we're recording this podcast a little late on this Tuesday afternoon, so we might have to get this out on Wednesday, trying to get it posted later tonight. But Xavier does get the win yesterday, winning 77-63 over Robert Morris to go to 1-0. And I got to give credit where credit's due. You go back and there's a couple podcasts out about Xavier basketball ours here. And, and another new one out is the Sean Miller podcast and one of the hosts, Paul Frischner. I believe it was on this podcast. He also does one with Rick Brewing, who's the voice of NKU. He's one of their color analysts for college basketball. So has a lot of podcasts doing Xavier stuff also. And I think it was on the Rick one, actually, uh, where he mentioned that he, he wouldn't be surprised, Paul wouldn't be surprised if Xavier was only about, about five or six at halftime. And it was a really close game. Robert Morris got out to an early lead, got the early jump. It was a slow start definitely in the first half for the Musketeers. Shooting 16 for 26 and 1 for 4 from the three-point arc. But it was a lot of turnovers, a lot of new faces on this Musketeer team as we've dived into. Desmond Claude had a great game, as we mentioned, 37 minutes for 25 points he added. But Quincy Oliveri had some struggles. I One pass right in front of the Robert Morris bench. A new player brought over from Rice. He's a grad student on this team. Dropped it. and And I think it's hard to tell sometimes with a new team, a young roster, you bring over guys who might be grad students, who Sean Miller has to work with before, but to get them to kind of connect. And I think it takes that off season. It takes time into the season to get this team really rolling. So I don't know how much you can take away from the first game of the year. As I've talked about earlier on in some of these podcasts in the preseason, and we were able to talk with Dante Jackson, one of the assistant coaches for the Musketeers on the last podcast. And there was a lot of questions I would like to still ask him what a Sean Miller practice looks like and how that offseason went more indefinitely. But it was a pleasure to have him on. But, I mean, these talk about it. And he talked a lot about Desmond Claude, Davion McKnight, Quincy Oliveri, some of the older guys in this roster. But you're going to have to have some of those young guys step up too. It's great to have Claude go out there and give you 37 minutes and 25 points and Oliveri to give you 28 and 13 but the thing is, you have to find a way to get Trey Green more involved. We didn't even see Reed Descharme last night, and Dalen Swain played a little bit. I think as this team goes on in the season, you're going to start seeing more of those freshmen mature and get more playing time. And, I mean, you only look at last night, Trey Green, 15 minutes, had zero points, was over four from the field. And Dalen Swain, who had a little bit better of a game, he went 
23 minutes, 2 for 5 from the field with 4 points. But I think as a team that's building chemistry, you have to find a way to have those older veterans, Quincy Oliveri, Davion McKnight, those grad students they brought over from Rice and from Western Kentucky, to kind of mature and help these freshmen. And I think that's a thing they did over the offseason. So it's still early to tell. I mean, you beat the Colonials by 13. I felt, felt like Robert Morris had chances inside the arc, had plenty of chances out there they missed on the offensive side of the ball. They could have got some shots to fall. It could have been a much closer game. I mean, you go back to 2011, 12 years ago, when Chris Mack was the coach, and that was the only time they played Robert Morris in the pass. It was a two-point game. And Robert Morris came into this ball game ranked 300th in the country, but as I talked about with Paul Frischner brought it up, it's going to be a close first half, and it really was. It was a close second half for most of the ball game. The Colonials hung in there. I mean, you talk about Justice Williams, probably looked like the best player on the field, on the floor. Williams in 32 minutes had 21 points, and he could knock it down. And, I mean, Xavier doesn't really have that veteran leader as we talked about with Dante a couple weeks back. I mean, he had to lead on Claude. And he looked like who's a guy who's really mature. We didn't see any, any of Cram Craft last night, the other guy who's brought him back from this roster from last year who's active this year. And when you don't have Zach Fremantle and you don't have Jerome Hunter, when you go up against a team like Purdue next week against Zach Eady, one of the best big men in college basketball, when you take on teams who can battle inside like we see in the Big East, it's going to be tough for the Musketeers not as much experience in there, especially in a Musketeer uniform. Besides, really, Abdu Uzman, who had a really good game, 26 minutes and 11 points. And he had a really good first half. But, I mean, you, you had to find the guys inside. I mean, take on big teams in the Big East and Kieran Purdue next week. It's going to be interesting to see. That's when you're really going to finally get to figure out, is Xavier a contender or a pretender? Because, I mean, I don't really know right now. I mean, Xavier's ranked highly, as we mentioned, on the – defensive side of the ball this year and offensively they're not that bad either I mean Sean Miller we talked about with Dante last year it was an incredible offensive team with Adam Kunkel and Sule Boom and Colby Jones and players they had on that roster Jack Nungy when you lose those guys and you lose your five starters from last year you're gonna have to build confidence in these new guys and Sean Miller's always been pretty sound as a defensive coach and his offense hasn't been that bad either so it's going to be interesting to see if Xavier can build that together. And I don't mean go out there and hold a team to 55 points a game, but finding a way to execute and hold them to just enough so you can go out there and play them closely. And I think if, as Dan Jackson said, if they can do that, it's going to be a war in the Big East. It's going to be tough games. It's going to be close games. It's going to be fights. And it's tough, too, because, I mean, you're talking about a team that's didn't even have three of their players here all summer. And the three guys they brought over from overseas. And they looked pretty good last night. I mean, you have to say, if you want to get the big guys to be better, you lose Zach Friedman, you lose Jerome Hunter. Yedis Nowemski looked pretty well. 27 minutes, he had 10 points inside. I mean, we didn't see Lazar Djokovic. He was injured last night. And the other one looked pretty good, too, in Sasa. So... I mean, ever as we know, the team's totally different from last year. It's not even close to the same. Sean Miller basically had to revent this roster. I mean, you lose two guys because of injury, people graduate, and that's just the way it was. Colby Jones goes to the NBA, and he's doing very well right now for the Sacramento Kings. It's just saying, all right, got to rebuild this thing, re-ramp it up, 
and we'll see what happens. But one game in, you win it by 14, and you go on to the next round. You get ready for Friday against Jacksonville. That will be a 6.30 start. FS1 will have the coverage, of course, also with Byron and Joe on 55KRC at 6 o'clock as Jacksonville comes in here. Muskiers have played them one time in the past, back in 2019, under Travis Steele and got the win in that matchup. So that will be the tune-up game for the big one on Monday night in the Gavit tip-offs. Classic as they'll take on Purdue. Purdue matchup in West Lafayette will be at 8.30. Got a lot more to get to on the show, though, today. We'll also dive into some Xavier women's basketball. Look at their schedule coming up as they start play on Wednesday. We'll dive into that on the road as they head up to Youngstown, Ohio, for a game against Youngstown State. That will be tomorrow night at 6.30 under the first-year head coach, Chambers, who comes over from Iona after taking her team to the tournament last year. She brings in here, brought a couple players over. Still some of the roster back from last year, and the Musketeers will have their first home game against James Madison. That will be on Saturday night. Women's basketball. Also look at the volleyball. I want to get into the schedule for Xavier events coming up, so if you want to make your way down to the Centos Center, the west side of campus here, to check on the soccer team. The women's soccer team has looked very good this year. We'll look into that a little bit later. But right now I want to get into the NFL and the Bengals, and it's a Bengals football team that you would go back to week four and say, you know, I'm not worried because, you know, I, we have Joe Burry's been banged up, but I am definitely, definitely a little frustrated. You know, you lose to down in Nashville, 27-3 to to the Titans to drop to 1-3 and on the year. And since then, they were able to get a, get a win against Arizona, get a win against Seattle at home, get a win on the road against San Francisco, and win 24-18 on Sunday night over the Buffalo Bills to go to 5-3. and And the way they have turned it around has been very impressive. And I think going into that, Going into the season, pretty much the whole time Zach Taylor's been here, the head coach for Cincinnati, there's always been, is he really a leader? Is he a leader of men? Can he really go out there and get the guys to play for him? And I think recently we're starting to figure out more, yes, they are. Joe Burrow, without him, of course it's hard. Because Joe Burrow, I mean, you listen to his conversation he had Sunday night with after the game with Melissa Stark, who works for Sunday Night Football on NBC, and, you know, it was a great question Melissa asked. She asked Joe Burrow, what can you do now that you weren't able to do back in week four? And Joe gave a little smirky answer of saying, you know, I could run. And it's really, that's Joe Burrow. I mean, that's a Joe Burrow we know going to the Super Bowl, going to the AFC Championship, and taking his team to the promised land. And hopefully, with Joe Burrow being more healthy, he's getting his receivers more involved. It's helping the run game with Joe Mixon. It's helping this team find a way to execute on the offensive side of the ball and help the defense, too, not leave them on the field so long. And the Bengals didn't do a whole lot of second half. Their first three touchdowns came all in the first half on their first five possessions, only got a field goal in that second half. And Buffalo did cut it to six to make it 24-18. That's something I was interested in, too. They had a chance to kick an extra point to make it 24-17, about five minutes left, but decided to go for two, did get it. But that's something, you know, you don't see in the NFL 10 years ago, but you see every time now that – this Bengals team, if they can keep it rolling, keep Burrow healthy, I think you're starting to trust Zach Taylor more. And I think it's because of Joe Burrow, of course, but it's also because of what he's done on the defensive side of the ball. You bring back Lou Amarimo, who unfortunately doesn't get 
signed by another NFL team to be a head coach. So lucky enough, he comes back to Cincinnati for us, and he does a very good job and has led this defense under great names they have in DJ Reader and Logan Wilson in the secondary stepped up big. And just what about the year Cam Taylor Britt's putting together? The cornerback, Chetabay Awuze, has been a little banged up. The secondary loses Jesse Bates and Von Bell from last year. But this team just feels like there's a mojo, a confidence finally built back into Cincinnati after a rocky start it was this season. And I think, as Alex and I talked about on our first podcast this year, do the Bengals need to get out to an early start? Yes, because you started 0-2 last year. You started 0-2 again this year. And I was at that Week 3 game against the Rams, and they did not look good. And that was probably a turning point of the season. They would have started 0-3. If they would have lost to Arizona to go to 1-4, it would have changed this season. But they were able to win their last four, build some confidence back in this team. Joe Burrow looks healthy. They get a Texans team this week who's coming off a very big win last week. And if they can win that football game at 1 o'clock on Sunday, you really feel like this Bengals team has something going together. And it's a tough AFC North. I mean, you look at the standings, tougher than probably any division in football right now. Baltimore is already 7-2. Pittsburgh's 5-3. And, and Cleveland, I mean, surprisingly, Deshaun Watson's been banged up. They come back and play last week. They're 5-3 and three also. So the Bengals are just trying to hang in there right now. And that's a weird thing to say for a division which Cleveland's been down for a while. Pittsburgh, since Roethlisberger left, they've been a struggle. Even when Roethlisberger's last couple of years, they were bad. But Kenny Pickett's came in, played very well, and Lamar Jackson has taken his team to 7-2 and two on the season in Baltimore. So, I mean, you got to keep finding a way to put wins together. It's not an easy schedule for Cincinnati up ahead. you got Baltimore, you got Pittsburgh, you got Jacksonville, you got Minnesota. So you got some tough games coming here in the next four or five weeks. And it's a Bengals team that if you looked at last week and you said, yeah, we're good, but what's wrong with this Bengals team? You know, you could say it's a secondary, but they played pretty well even with losing Bates and Bell. And it's a linebacker core that's been solid. It's a defensive line that's been solid. The offensive line is playing better. The one question I feel like you really had was tied in. And it was fun to watch after... A struggle it was for Irv Smith in San Francisco. And wondering if the Bengals were going to go out at the trade deadline or go out before that and get a tight end. And to be able to have Irv Smith play well, to be able to have Tanner Hudson in his first year step up and play well, and also Drew Sample, who almost had a touchdown, played very well. This team is finally building that chemistry. And it's something fun to be around here in Cincinnati and a fan that's been a Bengals fan my whole life only. 20-something years old, but a team that's been able to successfully do it over the last three years, it felt like this year it might start falling apart a little bit after that week four game, but they're able to get it back together, and they're 5-3 and three on the year as they take on the Texans on Sunday at 1 o'clock. We'll look at the NFL schedule from last week, give some recap on some of those games, and the Steelers almost gave it away. I mean, Will Levis growing up, my dad going to UK, I saw him play a lot and watching this team kind of closely for a reference point and Will Levis and, you know, he came into Nashville. I didn't think he was going to be a true star and he stepped in ever since Tannehill's injury and played very well. Had a chance, though, to win that game. Just didn't get it done. Steelers won it by four. Another surprising one to me was the Chiefs. 
and it's a Kansas City team, and I think this is the thing about parity in the NFL. It's a Chiefs team that lost to Denver two weeks ago. They come back, go all the way to Germany to play a football game, and yes, Patrick Mahomes had the flu against the Broncos on the road, but they have a Miami team that they were able to get out to an early 21-0 lead in the first half. Didn't score any points in the second half. Miami gets two touchdowns back to make it a 21-14 game. Chiefs are able to salt it away and win the football game. But the thing about parity in this NFL this year is, is I'm not really sold on any team. The Chiefs, I feel like, are the pinnacle, and a lot of people would say are the pinnacle of the NFL. Can lose to a team like Denver, then go beat one of the best teams in the NFL this year in Miami. So are you sold on anybody? And, you know, I not really am. I would love to know what you would think, but from my opinion, I don't I don't think the Chiefs, I don't think the Dolphins, I don't know about the Eagles. They almost gave it away. I mean, they had the game won, and they almost gave it away to Dallas at home. They were able to win the football game on Sunday, 28-23. It's a Dallas team that's good. But the Eagles going to Super Bowl last year, are they the pinnacle of the NFC? It's a question to be answered. Buffalo. I mean, a throw you saw against the Bengals, Josh Allen threw it right into the defender's hands of Caden Taylor-Britt on Sunday. It's a Buffalo team, are you sold on? I don't think so. I don't think many people would think so. And, you know, you lose Aaron Rodgers for the Jets, they get demolished at home after being 4-3 and on the air, drop back to 500 with a bad loss to the Chargers. Chargers get to 4-4. Four and four. They went 27-6 in MetLife Stadium, and it's going to be interesting to see as we get later in the NFL season. And I think this might be a thing, and this might come back to bite me in 10 years, but I think this might be a theme where each year we find out that parity's a little more and more and more because of the salary cap, because of your cap you have for each team, because of how much you know, you're paying these guys at quarterbacks and different positions in the NFL, that parity might grow more into later parts of the season as we get into week 10. Yeah, you look at the standings and you can say, you know, I think Miami's good. I think Buffalo's okay. Kansas City's pretty good. Baltimore's there. We talk about the AFC North. Jaguars do look really solid. They're 6-2. and two. But, I mean, just look at the AFC and you say, there's a lot of teams that could go take it. And I'm not really sold on one team. I think Jacksonville's good. I think Baltimore has a decent team, but we always know Lamar Jackson get injured. Patrick Mahomes is that guy, but is the Denver lost because he had the flu or because they don't have the run game they used to have like they did two or three years ago? They, you know, or, or is the defense a little banked up? I mean, all these little injury things play a factor too in the NFL, but it's going to be interesting to see as we get later into the season. Can the Bengals keep it together, and who's going to be in those spots for the the playoffs? And, I mean, it's interesting to see. And I think right now it's too early to tell. A lot of good games, though, this Sunday in the NFL. They will have one more game overseas as the Colts will head to take on the New England Patriots. Patriots are the home team. That game will be played in London at 930 a game that really surprised me, you know, they talk about all flexing and talking about moving the good games to Sunday night and Thursday night and Monday night, and they decided to keep the Panthers, Carolina Panthers, who have one win on the year on Thursday night football this week as they'll take on the Chicago Bears, who have two wins on the year. 
It's an 8-15 game. A big game also in the AFC North Browns are at Baltimore this weekend. That's a 1 o'clock start in Baltimore on Sunday. Packers and Steelers will get after it. That will be a 1 o'clock game on Sunday. They are another AFC North team as the Bengals, as I mentioned, taking on the Texans. Another good game will be the 49ers and Jaguars. So I mentioned it's a 49ers team that has started 5-0 and and lost to Cleveland, Minnesota, and Cincinnati before they had a bye this past Sunday. But can they get back on track? That's the question. A 5-3 and football team now taking on the Jaguars on the road in Jacksonville at 1 o'clock Sunday. want to get over to some news now that hit here in the Cincinnati area and was one that really caught people's eye. And I think it shouldn't be something that you shouldn't think so indefinitely about. It's Joey Votto. The Reds decided to let him go over the weekend. He had a $20 million option to come back and play for 2024. And it was almost certain they wouldn't bring him back for that much money after kind of splitting some time last year, especially in the later part of the season when they brought up Christian Encarnacion Strand. And it's a Reds team that has so much promise towards the future and a team that should have made the playoffs last year, a team that if they would have won two, three of their last games of the season, they would have knocked Arizona out of the playoffs. And if you go back, Arizona got swept by Houston. Cincinnati, if they could have won their last two games, they would have made the playoffs and would have knocked the Diamondbacks out. And it's a Diamondbacks team that went on to the World Series, lost to the Texas Rangers last week, as the Rangers are the World Series champions for 2023. But, And I think Reds fans understand that Votto needed to go, and it's posting their gratitude for all his time he spent here, and that's what Joey did over the weekend when he sent out a couple videos on Sunday. But also, it's a team in Cincinnati that, has never really had a clear book now. And now they do. They don't have to pay someone $20 million. And I'd be interested to see if the Reds ever do something like that again for one guy on a year-in and year-out basis. And when you have these young guys on this roster like the Reds do with Aledea Cruz and Christian Encarnacion Strand and Matt McClain and Jonathan India, it's going to be interesting to see if this team for Cincinnati wants to bring Votto back maybe on a smaller deal or maybe he'll go somewhere else, or maybe he'll call it quits. But it's been a pleasure since he was called up in 2008 to watch Joey Votto play, and really grew up my whole life watching number 19, and it's been a you know, a mainstay, no matter if the team was good, bad, through rocky years, through great years, that Joey Votto would be at first base every single night. And it's a tough one to see go, and I think that's where Cincinnati fans come from. And as much as Joe Burrows meant to this city and came in here and brought life and passion into this Bengals football team, he's only 26. He's got a lot of time left here in Cincinnati. We've seen Votto do it night in and night out. He's 40 years old in September. And he just really has meant a lot to this team, meant a lot to this franchise. And, you know, you just hope that if he does decide to keep playing, if it's not here in Cincinnati, maybe maybe he goes plays for his hometown team in Toronto. Um, you just wish him the best. And I hope and I 
I, I really do hope he's a Hall of Famer someday. This Reds team, though, is going to be fun to watch. They bring a lot of guys back. It's not about the promise for next year. And a lot of future things on the horizon. Another thing future on the horizon is FC Cincinnati. I mean, you can't talk about what Chris Albright and Pat Noonan have done for that team more in the last two years. A team who I worked for for a little while, just doing some ticketing before I got kind of into the sports media field uh, back in my freshman year in 21 here at Xavier. And they had four wins that year. Let me say that again, four wins in their first year in the MLS. Since then, they went to the playoffs last year, lost in the second round, but really put together a good year. And this year, best team in the Eastern Conference Division and have a chance to get ready for the second round of the playoffs at home in TQL and put together what could be a promising, fun championship run they could do here in Cincinnati. And hopefully they do so. And the thing is, fun about it so much is they got all these guys coming back. They got Brandon Vasquez under contract. They got a cost under contract. They got all these guys they have that are leaders on this team on the pitch to back for many years to come. want to dive into the Xavier schedule before we wrap it up this afternoon as we talked about. I know the Xavier wins basketball team taking on Youngstown State tomorrow night getting their season started. The Musketeers men's basketball team with the win yesterday and this Musketeers men's team will take on Jacksonville on Sunday, excuse me, on Friday, before they take on Purdue next Monday. But a busy schedule coming in Xavier Sports with fall sports still going on, winter sports starting up. And look at it right now. The Musketeers men's soccer team will have their Big East tournament second-round game after a win against Akron in the first round. Akron, surprisingly, is in the Big East in men's soccer Xavier was able to knock them off. It was an accurate team. The Zips were number 21 in the country. Xavier won the game on the pitch, won nothing. They'll take on Providence. And boys, Maryland, at 4 o'clock, that will be on Thursday. Meanwhile, also going on this weekend, on Saturday, the volleyball team will take on Providence. I'll be there for that at 12 o'clock in the Centaz Center. Women's soccer going on as they're taking on Tennessee in the first round of the NCAA tournament. That will be at home, 4 o'clock, on the pitch down at Concordian Field, 4 o'clock, as I mentioned, taking on the balls. Women's basketball against James Madison at home, 7 o'clock on Saturday night in the Centa Center. And on Sunday, even with the Bengals going on, if you – can't make it to the Bengals game, head out to the volleyball court, Centaz. They'll take on the Connecticut Huskies as the Lady Musketeer will take on the Connecticut Huskies at 1 o'clock. That's all coming up this week. Stay with us. We'll be back with you next week to dive into the Purdue matchup, recap that, get you set up for Xavier's tournament as they go to Las Vegas to take on some teams over the Thanksgiving holiday break. And we'll have all that covered for you right here on Muskie Talks. My name is John Baldridge. We're also trying to get with Somebody with the women's basketball team to look at the season upcoming for them. Get a little season preview on the Musketeers women's basketball team for this 2023-2024 season. So long from now. Everybody have a great week. Talk to you later. And thank you for spending some time with us on this afternoon.